Lesnar returned to WWE the night after WrestleMania 28. Now, admittedly, that's a weird way to start this video, but it was considered such a big deal, some people went, my word, that overshadowed the event itself. And I could understand where they were coming from, because when Brock left the WWE a few years prior to this, they were so mad at each other that WWE and Lesnar, they sued. That's right, they were throwing lawsuits all over the place. So it's no wonder he only signed a one-year contract here. Everyone was like, well, how is this relationship going to go? And as for WrestleMania itself, I tell you, when I sat down to watch it, I was like, oh, man, this one's a banger. But that's absolute nonsense. The whole thing is basically built around three matches. And you get so much non-wrestling nonsense. At one point, I thought about pulling up my eye and sticking it up my tush. I regret saying that and never do it. Nothing is as bad as the tagline, though, of once in a lifetime. Because 12 months after this, WWE would do The Rock and John Cena again. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. But when they keep shouting at me for the entire show, I have to shout back, you liars. It does feel super special, though, as you do get The Rock and John Cena going at it. And if you do your research, there were rumors around in 2012 that the plan was going to be Rock would win and out came Brock Lesnar to challenge him. Now, I'm sorry, I think that's absolute baloney, but what a moment it would have been. It is an absolute monster, though, packing around about 80,000 people into Miami Gardens and doing 1.2 million buys on pay-per-view. So let us take the retro finger of power and give the good bits an up and the bad bits a down for WrestleMania 28. The opening video to WrestleMania 28 is weird because you get pictures of John Cena and The Rock when they're like six, seven years old. And the voiceover guy is all like, oh my gosh, this is where life starts. That's not where life starts. I mean, what, the previous six years don't matter? Also, WWE, I don't want to be that guy. But at some point, you pop out of the womb and that's when it starts. Speaking of life, that's what this video starts to talk about. As the VO guy once again says, WrestleMania is life. And I was like, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for that. I don't want wrestling to be my life. I just want to sit down and be entertained by a bunch of guys running around their pants. Anyway, after all this pomp and circumstance, we do get our first match for the World Heavyweight Championship. And it is Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus. Oh boy. Now the most hilarious thing about this is that the opening video package goes longer. I just have one question for WWE. How did you think this was going to go? And some stuff has been lost over the years because people nowadays go, oh man, everybody hated Sheamus back in 2012. No, they didn't. He gets a rapturous evasion when he does come out, especially because he comes out to it's a shameful thing. Lobster head. It just so happened everybody was also in love with Daniel Bryan. And because he was the world champion, they sat down. They're like, oh boy, we're about to get a really good world championship match. So they wanted to see them go nuts. But instead, after Daniel Bryan has kissed AJ Lee, he turns around, gets broke kicked right in the head. And within 18 seconds, my friends, 18 seconds, he gets pinned. Now, of course, this gets somewhat of a reaction because a title change always will. But when it actually dawns on them what's happened, you go look at their faces and you can see the disdain. I mean, this is like being told, hey, do you want to come to an all-you-can-eat buffet? And by the time you get there, you have some water and they go, we're sorry, we're closed. When you do start to think about it, though, especially from a 2022 perspective, this was the best thing that ever happened to Daniel Bryan because two years later, he would be in the main event and he would be winning the championship. But that's not how we review things on Retro Ups and Downs. We pretend we are in 2012 and this is Gubbins and this is stupid and this is not well thought out at all. So it doesn't just get a down. 
it gets the brown down. Soon backstage to Team Raw, who are going to be taking on Team SmackDown later. And when you do watch this, all you have to do is find Drew McIntyre. And your brain will say to you, that's not Drew. It must be his brother. That man has come so far. Johnny Laurinaitis, who is in charge of Raw, soon turns up. And man, does he go overboard here. Because he's all like, this match later is going to be like Andre versus Hulk or Austin versus Brett. And I was like, John, John, that's not how this works. You can't tell us it's going to live up to those expectations. It just has to happen. Don't worry about any of that, though, because we then get to match two. And if you want to know how disappointed some fans were, given what happened in match one, they basically ignore this. And for a good five minutes... Just chant Daniel Bryan. I tell you, if I ever invent a time machine and a fly machine, I'm going to use both of them. I'm going to become a fly. I'm going to go back to 2012 and I'm going to be on the wall just watching Vince McMahon. (laughs) I bet he was losing it. This is also what WWE chose to do to turn Sheamus into a mega babyface, and that was ridiculous. But look, we do get Randy Orton versus Kane. And if I heard correctly, the reason this match is happening is because at the previous SummerSlam, Kane had shaken, shook whatever, Randy Orton's hand, and then he got away for a while. And when he was away, he's like, man, I shouldn't have shaken, shook that man's hand. I better go back and beat him up. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense because quite clearly somebody went, well, we don't have anything for these two guys. Somebody come up with something, and we came up with this bluggins. And I suppose it's fine, but it just doesn't feel like a WrestleMania-worthy match. Like, if you would just change the environment in the background and told me this was Monday Night Raw... I would have totally believed it, especially because the overall story here is Randy Orton goes for RKO, Kane is too big. Randy Orton goes for punt, and then remembers, oh, I'm not allowed to punt any people anymore. And then he goes up the second rope, and Kane grabs him, gives him a choke slam, and that's that. And look, these guys do their job, and they're super professionals and very talented. But the whole time, I just went meh. You don't go meh on WrestleMania. Down. We then just have the most bizarre skit with Santino Morella. Vic Foley and some guy from Deadliest Catch, because clearly that TV program had paid WWE some money to promote their show. But they're all eating crab legs and talking like pirates when Ron Simmons walks in and just goes, damn. And I was like, Ron, don't go, damn. Go and get some kind of medical professional, because these dudes have problems. And I know that WWE loves doing these segments at WrestleMania, but when it was done, I felt like I'd just gone and bathed in LSD. And then there is more disappointment. What the flub is going on? But the Intercontinental title is on the line. So if you're an idiot like me, you go, oh man, I bet this is going to be a banger. And it goes, five minutes. That's how long it gets on the biggest card of the year. Five minutes. No wonder nobody cares about it in 2022. Michael Cole also telegraphs the ending to an absurd degree. Because when the Big Show comes out to challenge, he's like, oh, Big Show, what a flipping loser. His record at WrestleMania was like three wins and eight losses. And every time he has been on the winning side, he didn't even make the pinfall. Also, he's never had a WrestleMania moment. Let's all take our fingers and go, ha, 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 at the Big Show. And then when Cody Rhodes come out, who's the champion, they go, wow, Cody Rhodes. He's been the champion for a hell of a long time. Nobody could beat him. I was like, thanks very much, you goobers. You ruined the end. This is also surreal to watch in 2022 because, of course, Cody Rhodes may be about to come back to the WWE, whereas Big Show is now Paul White doing commentary in AEW. If you got up to somebody in 2012 and got AEW, they would have punched you because they probably thought this was some kind of voodoo magic. And it's classic stuff because Cody walks over the Big Show's leg because he's tall, and if he can't stand up, he can't do nothing. And when he goes for a second disaster kick, Big Show counters it with the spear. 
but he gets Mr. Rhodes right in the testicles. And you can tell this wasn't planned because when Cody hits the mat, he's just like, ah, my balls, my dick, it looks horrible. This allows the big show to hit the knockout punch and become the Intercontinental Champion. This is when Michael Cole gets his like obvious shovel. And he just smacks you over and over in the face going, it's big show's moment, it's big show's moment. I was like, I just told Jory Laurinaitis this. This is not how moments work. They just have to be organic and grow out of the ground. I'm gonna give it a down. This utter madness then continues for Daniel Bryan. Because even though it is Maria Menounos and Kelly Kelly taking on Beth Phoenix and Eve Torres, once again the fans go, no, I don't wanna watch this. What I wanna do is chant for Daniel Bryan. These aren't minor shouts either because they're taking over everything. And while this is another short match, what I do wanna do is give a shout out to Maria, because obviously she was the celebrity guest appearance here, but she was dealing with a bunch of injuries that she shuffled on Dancing with the Stars, and actually, she's pretty good. I do need to talk to you about when her and Kelly Kelly give Eve Torres a stink face, because this move should never be happening in wrestling. If we put our story caps on, one of their plans backstage was, I know how we can beat her, we can take our asses, we can stick it right in her face. And that has as much logic as the honky-tonk man who went, man, I know how I'll win a championship. I'll pretend to be Elvis. As ever, the more famous person has to get the pinfall and the end is kind of a mess. Like Beth Phoenix is about to do something but then Kelly Kelly's in there and Eve Torres is in there as well. And it causes such a distraction. Manunos hits the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment. Surprise roll up and she gets the win. And once again, this is more than fine. It's not going to offend you, but when it is done, I don't think you're ever going to think about it again down. Before we go any further though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Matt Stryker is then interviewing Shawn Michaels backstage, who of course is the special guest referee for Triple H versus The Undertaker. And Shawn basically sends this. End of an era, end of an era, end of an era. Oh, hello, Mr. Stryker. End of an era, end of an era. Oh, end of an era. And I get it too. It was the end of an era, but flub me. Just because it's a marketing tool doesn't mean you to say it 7,822 times. But we were planting more seeds here because you're meant to go, well, wait a minute. Shawn Michaels got retired by The Undertaker two years ago. What if he screws him and we lose the streak? Very good stuff. And of course, we put that here because it is time for Triple H versus The Undertaker, who had gone at it at the last year's mania. And because we needed to give it something different, this was happening in the Hell in a Cell. But I'm just going to be direct with you. I think this is flubbing fantastic. I know a lot of people disagree with this nowadays, but I remember watching it 10 years ago, and there were some moments where I was absolutely convinced that Triple H was going to beat the streak. And when it came to this period, 
and The Undertaker's matches, that's all you had to do. Shawn Michaels as the special guest referee also works. You're like, oh man, maybe he's going to help his friend. But there was also like this meta information. If anybody on the roster at that time was going to beat Taker for his streak, it was going to be Triple H and his reign of terror. So every single time you get a near fall, people were losing their damn minds. This really clever. It is also pitched as an end of an era match because all these three guys were in the Attitude Era. But the problem now is that Triple H would have loads more matches, The Undertaker would have loads more matches, and even Shawn Michaels would sneak out to Saudi Arabia and have one more match. Now, it hasn't really lessened anything here, but it will make you laugh. It's also a little bit too long at 30 minutes, and we probably could have taken that time and sprinkled it elsewhere. But you have Jim Ross on commentary, which makes it feel even bigger. And the audience is so into this that by the time The Undertaker has got to the ring after about 79 years, and he removes his hood, and it's also weird because his jacket looks a bit like he's Skeletor, because he shaved his head, the fans go, oh, his, his hair is gone. And that's when you know your character is over. I did laugh because we were told that Taker had done this because he was upset about losing to Triple H last year. So I was like, Undertaker, you such a child. And the first thing that these two guys do is just smack each other right in the head. I'm like, man, they're going to make each other bleed. And they did. The amount of chair shots towards Taker's back is horrible. If you want to see the welts, make sure you go Google it. And also, like I say, the red stuff is pouring from Triple H's face. And then at one point, Undertaker gets spine busted right onto the steel steps. It is truly, truly sick. The dead man also locks in the go-go platter as a wink and a nod for what had happened at WrestleMania 27. And once again, people are like, oh man, I don't like all the chair shots and the fact they sell all of this. But I disagree because it all comes together as a secret source to once again make you go, maybe, just maybe, Triple H is going to win. The true highlight of the whole thing has been spoken about time and time again, but for obvious reasons. And it does tie into Shawn Michaels as the special guest referee because at one moment, he nails The Undertaker with a sweet chip music the dead man falls into triple h he gives him the pedigree and i don't want to be all hyperbole here but this may be one of the best near falls in history i mean the first time you see it you will buy it hook line and sinker because of the setup and because the undertaker doesn't get his shoulder off the mat until about 2.99999 it's terrific you then get a ton more violence because of course you do but at this point nobody actually thought the undertaker was going to lose because if you were going to do it that was the time and so of course as soon as triple h goes suck it which is basically inviting the undertaker to do things to his groin taker loses it hits him with a sledgehammer follows it up with a tombstone one two three the undefeated streak at least for two more years is fine you also get that moment afterwards where all three guys stand at the top of the aisleway and honestly this is sold so hard that we're never gonna see them again and you know the deal with that. Flub it, throw it over there. This is awesome. Up. You get all the Hall of Fame stuff after this, including Edge. And I just wanted to go, hey, Edge, you're not going to believe what's going to happen to you soon. And then you go to the back and Flo Rida knocks out Heath Slater. You tell me. It is then time for Team War versus Team SmackDown. And what a look into the future that is. Because soon WWE was going to go, oh my gosh, we can do this every year at Survivor Series. The problem is it is placed here as a buffer. The fans know that it's a buffer, so they all go really quiet. To the point, if I had been there, I could have spoken like this, and the people around me would have been able to hear, even though you at home are going, man, Simon, would you speak up? And it is nice that WWE always tries to work as many people as they can onto the WrestleMania card, and given that, we do get Mark Henry, Jack Swagger, The Miz, David Atunga, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre taking on Zack Ryder, The Great Carly, Santina Morella, Kofi Kingston... <sighs> Our truth and Booker D. There's also the stipulation that whichever team does win, their respective GM will get all the power. 
But essentially, yours have Joe Lloyd Nighters taken on Teddy Long. For some reason, though, we use this entire thing to humiliate Zack Ryder. Because even though Eve Torres has already been in a match, she is back here. She gets in the ring, starts celebrating, even though the thing isn't over. That causes a distraction. The Miz gets in there. He hits the skull, crashing Ralali onto Ryder, gets the one, two, three. And then Eve takes her hand and she whams Zack Ryder right in the balls. And then she just leaves. And even though you have all the people in this contest and a bunch more people at ringside, everyone's just like, ah, oh, how dare she? Imagine your friend got attacked. You wouldn't just wave your arms in the air. You go do something. And to be fair, this bit does get the crowd going. Although all it says to me is, don't you dare get popular on YouTube if you're in WWE. This is really, really silly. Down. It also means that Johnny Ace is now in charge. So the very first thing he does is he goes backstage he finds WWE Champion CM Punk and he goes, you listen to me, Punk. He does not talk like that. You listen to me, Punk. If you get yourself DQ'd in your match against Chris Jericho, you will also lose the title. Straight away, I was like, WWE, don't sell stipulations to me when I've already bought the show. It's not going to make a blind bit of difference. It doesn't mean that it is time for CM Punk versus Chris Jericho for the WWE title. Yet another match that will make you question your own existence. Because this could happen in 2022. But in all elite wrestling, I mean, who the hell knows where we're going to be in 2032. Unsurprisingly, this is great, though, and both guys probably should have main evented WrestleMania properly at some point. And you do have this wonderful story hanging over everything, because the entire build, Jericho had been going, oh, punk, you may be straight edge, but your dad was an alcoholic and your sister was a dry addict. He starts to do that here again, so punk gets really mad, and he thinks about hitting Chris with a weapon, but we're all like, no, punk, don't do it, you're going to lose the belt. Of course he doesn't do that because he's too smart, although you do get this gnarly bit where CM Punk is on the top rope, and Jericho pulls him off, and punk just goes slamming face first, right into the canvas. And you can tell it must knock him a little bit loopy because Chris goes and buys some time. He does shake off the cobwebs and goes for a hurricanrana though, which Jericho reverses into the walls of Jericho. And for some reason, it's at this moment where the fans go, wait, these two guys are really good pro wrestlers. I think Punk and Jericho feel that, and for the next eight minutes, it is just go, go, go. Jericho keeps reversing stuff as Punk goes for a flying nothing, but gets hit by a code breaker instead for a great near fall. Then he keeps going for GTS after GTS, but he can't do it. He does get put in an old school lion tamer though, but do you know how he reverses it? With the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. It doesn't work, but if you know, you know. And then start trading walls of Jericho's into anaconda vices and anaconda vices into walls of Jericho while also kneeing each other in the head. And of course, while now I know what's going to happen, I bet you 10 years ago I couldn't call it. As it turned out, the plan was to have Punk shatter loads of records when it came to being WWE champion. So he gets his sub on. Jericho has to tap out. This is a really good match. Up. And then... What the flub? So I'm just going to tell you how it went down, how I watched it unfold in front of my eyes. The Funkadactyls, Naomi and Cameron come out, as well as Broder's Clay, and they dance for around about two minutes. Brody Clay then tells us, oh man, you know how in my lyrics it says, somebody call your mama? Well, I'm going to call my mama. <laughs> Gets his phone out of his pocket, and he rings his mum. He's like, oh man, I can't believe it. My mum's at WrestleMania. When a woman comes out who is clearly dressed up like an old lady with padding on her ass. I mean, that's the only way I can put it. She comes out. She starts dancing a well. A bunch of other women come out and Brodus Clay goes, oh my gosh, it's the bridge club. And then everybody dances for an elongated period of time. I mean, this goes on for longer than The Undertaker's entrance and it made me want to die. Who is this for? And why the hell hasn't it been edited off the WWE Network? And also, the only reason apparently we did it is so Michael Cole can keep making bum jokes. 
I almost turned it off. This gets even worse because a graphic for the main event then flashes up on the screen, <laughs> but you don't get to the main event, and instead you get a five minutes live music performance from Machine Gun Kelly. Eventually John Cena comes out and he takes the brunt of all of this because fans like, just get on with it. But then we do the same thing before The Rock's entrance because we get a five minutes performance from Flo Rida. And I understand that WrestleMania especially is a variety show, but the variety at least has to be good. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna give two downs. We're giving one down for that stupid bros clay thing and we're gonna give it another for just stretching this out far too much. So get your numbers going. It's Anywho, it is then once in a lifetime, which is the biggest lie ever, but John Cena and The Rock just have a terrific WrestleMania main event. I mean, in terms of wrestling, it's your standard stuff, but the atmosphere and the noise and the reactions, it just feels like such a big deal. I like it. And I get it, we are going to be nerds and take a step back and look at their work specifically. It's not the best thing you're going to see, but when you have this aura around the thing, especially when it's the main event of WrestleMania, well, I just think it ticks the box. The sheer noise also plays a huge part in this, so it's basically The Rock versus Hulk Hogan again. And in the early going, The Rock goes for one of his sharpshooters. This is like watching a kid be given a Rubik's Cube. It's clear they understand it, also, they have no clue. The Rock is treated like a flipping hero throughout all of this as well, where Cena, who turned up to work every single day, is booed out of the place. And around about halfway in, you will notice, if you are paying attention, The Rock is definitely tired. Now, I'm not saying this from a critical point of view, but if you want some evidence that pro wrestling is really hard unless you are doing it day in, day out, well, here it is. Rocky's clearly in good shape, but he gassed. It's why Big Match John deserves another pat on the head for what he does here, because he turns into a ring general and he basically drags the rock through it. But before he does do that, he climbs to the top rope and he hits one of those flying leg drops and I thought the rock was dead, or at least there was a movie executive someone going, oh my gosh, that project is absolutely doomed. I mean, he gets it. We then get more sharpshooters, which I could have done without, but this is all to set up John Cena locking in the STF when we get that old school spot when the rock's hand goes up one, the rock hand goes up two, and just when it's about to go three, he finds the power. It's also here when they decide to hit the near fall button, and this is genuinely hilarious. I tried to keep count, but it was impossible. But there must be around about 169 near falls. And John Cena especially, he hits the AA and The Rock kicks out and he accuses the ref of bribery. I never noticed this before. He's like, oh man, I know we're in Miami, but that wasn't cool. Well, I thought that was a nice, neat little touch. Cena then becomes an idiot because he decides the best way to follow up on this is to give The Rock the people's elbow. So surprise, surprise, pride comes before a fall because The Rock gets back to his feet. He catches Cena with The Rock bottom. One, two, three. This is done. Everybody goes wild. And that's that. There's also a nice moment after the fact because The Rock clearly thanks John Cena for helping him through all of this. As I already say, I get what WWE is. I get the entertainment aspect and I understand the main event of Mania. I am giving it an up. And as ever, I shall leave you with a second opinion, courtesy of Dave Meltzer and his Wrestling Observer star ratings. <laughs> Sheamus versus Brian got a dud. Orton versus Kane got one and three quarter stars. Big Show versus Rose got one and a half star. The Divas match got a quarter star. Triple H versus Taker, best match of the night, four and three quarter stars. Team Raw versus Team SmackDown, two and a quarter stars. And Punk versus Jericho and Rock versus Cena got three and three quarter stars. It also does mean that WrestleMania 28 is such a weird event because seriously, there's three good matches and the rest is kind of ludicrous. But those three matches are so good, I'm giving it an up.